The thing about... Oh, I was muted. The thing about <laughs> Susan Sarandon is she aged like milk. That's mean. I don't know. She's still pretty, but she was like. All I've ever know. seen Susan Sarandon that I can recall is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Fantastic. She was hot in that movie. She was very hot. That was a in great movie. movie. Yeah. Um, the first time I ever saw Susan Sarandon was in a movie called Stepmom, and oh. um, she plays a stepmom. Of course. In that movie, uh, and it's a good movie. What else? Susan Sarandon and hold on I'm looking at Oh up. she's she's been around for so long. She has. Maybe I I'm know being that. mean. I think she's still pretty. Yeah. That's so funny. She aged like milk. I wouldn't say she aged like milk. No, I mean I think the bar was just set so high from like you know oh she was in Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Yeah, Stepmom was a great movie. Who was in that Yeah, I've, the only thing I've ever seen Susan Sarandon in. I guess I've heard her in James and the Giant Peach. Yep. Um, Julia Roberts was also in Stepmom. She co-starred. I've never seen that movie. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not like a movie person. That's not That's not my thing. So yeah, the only thing I've ever seen her in is Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I've told this story to many a people. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast yet. Dylan and I were watching scary movies post-baby because all she did was slept. Yep. She slept all the time. We watched a few movies. We watched a lot of movies, and I watched all of Call the Midwife, and... Man, I forgot how much TV we watched when we had a newborn. Because she just slept all the time. And you have to stay awake. Yeah. It's, it's all you can yeah, do? Yeah, all the RuPaul's Drag Race. Anyway, yep. um, so we watched Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I follow Sarah McGonigal on Twitter, and her dad like worked on the puppet for the giant plant in Little House, <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> and I didn't know these were two different movies, so I was wondering as I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show when the big plant. <laughs> I don't think they could be more different. I wonder what the big plant's going to show up. Oh, sorry. If you guys just heard white noise, that was our baby monitor, and we're just realizing we didn't turn it down. But I'm not throwing all of this out. We can't leave Susan Sarandon behind. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I take back my previous statement. She did not age like me. I'm glad you retract that. I'm sorry, Susan. You should be. She won't sue you. (laughs) Well... If I get sued by Susan Sarandon, Damn it, Janet. then, you know, it was meant to be. I would concede. <laughs> Susan Sarandon will never hear this podcast. You if you what? do, you were great in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Wasn't that like her debut film? I think it was. I think it was too. Yeah. She's so cute in that movie. Wild. Wild. Well, on that note, welcome back to... Another episode of Cryptic and Colloquial, a cacophony of crimes, cults, and conspiracies. I have to cough. (laughs) I'm Kristen. And I'm Dylan. I have allergies. (laughs) We all have allergies right now. In the crud. Yeah. 
the baby and I are both getting over the crud. It was not COVID. It was the crud. But it's like still years since the beginning of the pandemic. Every time you're like, <laughs> do I have COVID? <laughs> you're like, like you don't drink water for like eight hours mm-hmm. and your body's like, hey, I'm in pain. I need water. And you're like, man, I wonder if I got COVID. Some medical <laughs> as you, mystery. As you sip on like your third latte of the day mm-hmm. and all you've eaten is like Chex Mix. And a handful of Cheez-Its. And some jelly beans. Mm-hmm. For breakfast yesterday, I had <laughs> I, I had three Ferrero Rochers and a handful of jelly beans. I'm not judging you. That's the stage of life we're in. The I, baby's eating well. I regretted it. Yeah, I, you that's should've. the thing. As when you're a kid, you're like, man, I wish I could have ice cream for breakfast. I'm going to do all the, I'm going to eat cake every day. And then you get to be an adult and you have these days where you realize like, I can just go buy jelly beans. No one can stop me. And so you do. And well, I sent you, I sent you to buy jelly beans and Ferrero Rochers and uh, among other things. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have this for breakfast. And then at like 1030, I'm like, my tummy hurts. <laughs> Because no one told me no. You can't do that. I do tell you no. You were sleeping. You just, you sent me to go get, oh, when you ate them. Yeah, when I ate them for breakfast. Having those things isn't the problem. Having those things for breakfast is is a problem. problem. Yeah. Man, when I first had the baby, I would eat like air. I would photosynthesize for breakfast. You did photosynthesize for breakfast. I couldn't eat. Yeah, and then you became a cherry monster. No, that was when I was pregnant. When you were pregnant, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I had a lot of cherries. Hmm. I'm worried about this episode. <laughs> I'll be honest. Because, uh, alright, so I liked Birds Aren't Real. That one was fun. Mm-hmm. I liked Megalodon. Mm-hmm. That one was fun. That's like, I really enjoyed the monoliths. But yeah, sometimes the monoliths was cool. When Our we talk about, you know, cults and conspiracies, there's a whole other part of this podcast and it's talking about true crime. And I, I believe I said this in our debut podcast, but I'm going to say it again. Um, please note that in no way are we are we glamorizing serial killers or murderers or serial rapists or otherwise um, psychopaths. You know, we just, the stories are interesting. Uh, we will do our best always to respect the victims. Mm-hmm. Um, because it feels lucky to do otherwise. So, with that disclaimer, Dylan, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about Ed Kemper. All right. So, full disclosure, I I think I've said that, like, every episode for the last few weeks. Full disclosure. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's gross of me. I don't know anything about Ed Kemper. That's good. Yeah, I know nothing. So, well, okay. So, and I know you're not lying to me this time. I'm so. not. He's real. So, here's the thing about this one: is you were just talking about, like, yeah, we want to respect the victims mm-hmm. always, and we don't want to glamorize or glorify a serial killer. And you've seen that happen with like, don't buy like Ted um, Bundy merch. Ted Bundy? I'm judging you. That's gross. Yeah. Um. So that's there's Ed Kemper merch. There's like whole Etsy stores dedicated to this guy. Um. And the thing about it is, like, even among, like, like reading the the accounts of this mm-hmm. this guy and like uh, people that know him still today, 
he's very like normalized and glamorized and and so it's hard not to do that Mm -hmm. when you're reading these accounts so i want to make it clear first of all horrible person this guy sucks (laughs) very and a caveat to that and this will almost always be a caveat with with serial killers horribly abused yeah like but that doesn't justify their no. actions. And I, I learned this from Criminal Minds. There's like the three things, right? You need to like have the predisposition. Mm-hmm. You need to have uh, an environment yeah. that's conducive. It's the biopsychosocial model. Yeah, it, and then like a trigger. You need yeah. to have a trigger that, mm-hmm. that causes all these things. Um, so perfect storm. This happens. That's why serial killers exist. Right. We're going to talk about Ed Kemper. Okay. So Talk about Ed Kemper. This guy, his name is Edmund Emil, 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 E-M-I-L, Kemper the Third. The Third. He is not only a serial killer. Oh, again, before I say this sentence, um, I had to be careful about like what I wanted to include in this. Let's let's go ahead and disclose a trigger warning if that's necessary. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. That needs to happen. Okay, go ahead. Um, uh, trigger warnings at this point. Please feel free if any of these things are a trigger to you to visit with us next week. <laughs> Man, what what isn't in this uh, rape, murder, um, abuse, like like child abuse? Um, Clearly, abuse of a sexual nature. Yes. Did I? I said rape. Yes. Yeah, I think that I think that covers just really bad most stuff. Of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he was a serial killer. Okay. A rapist. Great. A necrophile. Mm. A cannibal. Mm. Mm. Yep. Um, So like I was saying before the trigger warning, I had to think about like, okay, I learned a new word doing the research for this podcast that I explicitly excluded from every bit of notes that I have because I don't. What is the word? Huh? What is the word? Uh Uh-uh. You won't tell me the word. I, okay. Okay. I have to. Um, I have to find it because I kept it out of my notes. Why? Um, because it's horrible, and I wish it didn't exist. Okay. My palms are sweaty. <laughs> um, it is called. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Do you want me to look? Irumatio. Oh. I-R-R-U-M-A-T-I-O. Okay. So, it is also uh, called Egyptian rape. Oh. It is... Um, you so, don't have to go into graphic yeah. detail. Okay. Yeah. It, it's basically um, non-consensual fellatio. Okay. I told you, I want to talk about Megalodon. Should have done Sasquatch. We're talking about Ed Kemper okay. instead. Let's so go. yeah, let's just uh, six minutes of recording here. Let's go. Uh, and it only gets worse. That's oh, a thing. No. Okay, quick facts. Okay, dude is six foot nine. S- Holy God! Yeah. What? Um, and I I know like IQ scores are debated, and yes, and this is like a thing for mm-hmm. you. You're like, oh, don't talk about <laughs> IQs because that's dumb, and they're they're not very accurate. Right. Well, I mean, okay. Well, anyway. Even, I think it's, I don't know. 
I can oh tell God, that I hope like you guys didn't just hear me swallow. <laughs> people people with that score high on IQ tests mm-hmm. typically seem to be intelligent and people that score very low typically seem to like struggle. Or and, they come so, from a place of privilege and yeah. resources or not. So I, I Why don't did know. you sniff? What? You sniffed the air over there. I didn't. Okay. I looked anyway. at Rudy. Oh okay. our little corn nugget over there. <laughs> <Little> fart dragon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So his IQ is is different depending on what source you get it from, but it's anywhere from like 135 to 145. Right, and, and average is 100. Yeah, it's uh, two standard deviations above the average. Yes. That's very high. Yes. Uh, he was nicknamed the co-ed killer. I hate serial killer nicknames because yeah. it just glamorizes. Um, but he primarily killed uh, college females. He mm-hmm. only killed women, primarily killed college-aged women. Uh, at one point, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. That was later, um, I don't re-diagnosed to like a lesser thing. We'll get into that. Okay. It's, okay. So we'll start with like, born. Mm-hmm. He was born. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was born in 1948, grew up in California. He was a middle child, um, had a horrible family. His dad was a World War II vet and mm-hmm. did like nuclear stuff okay like he did nuclear testing he worked with atomic bombs he did all kinds of like sounds like crazy stuff world war ii was like a big time for that right right he got out he was just an electrician that's all he did he okay. was just like a normal he's like blue collar, a normal dude yeah electrician just well his wife constantly berated him about like his menial job and that he was like a blue collar worker and Ooh, didn't yuck. have yeah so she um i don't i don't like saying that like the the mom caused all of this but she definitely didn't help the situation she didn't help yeah and her husband at one point was quoted saying that uh suicide missions in wartime and atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with her oh my god i know so apparently she wasn't that great um back to ed he was born at at 13 pounds Jesus Christ. He was an elephant baby, apparently. Um, yeah, he was huge. And so his mom, like, constantly berated him for his size mm-hmm. all the time. Oh. Yeah. It gets worse. Mom's crummy. So immediately, like, antisocial behavior uh, started exhibiting, like, cruelty to animals. Like, all the you know, warning signs. All, yeah. the, all the warning signs. And then at 10 was, like, his first major event. Okay. Of like, this dude's probably going to be a serial killer. Okay. He buried a cat alive. Oh my God. And now that's bad enough, right? But then I feel like this whole podcast is just going to be like one Did we do an animal abuse tour? I don't think so. There's animal abuse, y'all. Yeah. I, okay. It's so bad. Okay, go ahead. He, he dug it up, decapitated it, and put its head on a spike and like put it out in the yard why i don't know nothing ever happened with that though his parents just were like whatever so three years later he killed their family cat again because he thought that it favored his sister he was a middle child i think i mentioned that you didn't know oh yeah so he was a middle child he had um sisters okay uh, I, I don't, there wasn't much information about like all of his siblings, but mm-hmm. I know that he had sisters. So he would 
always like remove the heads and hands of his sister's dolls and perform like rituals on oh them. Oh my god. He would, and this is the weirdest, like, I, I don't know, killing cats is, is weird, but like, he would take his father's bayonet, which he had from World War II. I guess they still used bayonets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and he would go, like, sneak out at night and go to his second grade teacher. So this is in second grade. He would go to his teacher's house and watch her through the window. So How exhibiting, disturbing. like, very disturbing behavior. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just him, too. Like, his sister tried to uh, murder him twice. She pushed him in front of a train, um, but he didn't, like, get hit by it. Like, she, he wasn't close enough when she pushed him. Um, there was another point where he almost drowned because she pushed him into the deep end of a swimming pool before he could swim. So that was, like, you know, obviously it wasn't just, like, Ed himself. It right. was also, like, right. his sisters and very abusive household. Very and broken, so it's pretty, yeah. Broken family. It's pretty obvious that it wasn't just, like him yeah so things got a lot worse for ed in 1957 when his parents got divorced okay so he was nine at this point uh he's born in 48 okay yeah so um he stayed with his mom who you know yeah was horrible and i don't know like if his dad was any better or obviously like home situation just wasn't great wasn't good yeah uh, but his his mother was like a severe alcoholic, was uh, like domineering. She hated men, like violently opposed men because of, I guess, I, I don't know why, but um, always like did, you know, mm-hmm. like, like even the way that she treated her husband, former husband at the time. Um, so she constantly like mocked Ed's size. She would lock him in the basement after he started exhibiting violent behavior like against animals. Uh, claiming that, like, he would hurt his sisters. So her solution there was, like, oh, I'll just lock you in the basement so that you don't, you know... You you almost, like... You feel bad, right? Well, you feel bad for the child that was, right? Like... Yeah. And I think, especially now as a parent... Yeah. Because I can't fathom that. Yeah. And, like, she... She explicitly stated that she would not show him affection because it would make him gay. Oh my god! I know, horrible woman. Like I can't, I can't overstate that. Um, so finally, he he moved out. Uh, he moved in with his dad when he was fourteen. Okay. So that was like several years. Five. Yeah. Um, five years. Uh, but when he moved in with his dad, he learned that he, his dad has, had remarried mm-hmm. and he had a stepbrother now, like, oh. like oh, from no. a previous marriage or something. Um, so they didn't get along. Of like, course. It went. South. Yeah. It yeah. Did, didn't go well. So he was sent off, um, at 15 to live with his paternal grandparents in, uh, like they lived on a ranch in Sierra Nevada, like in the oh mountains. Oh my goodness. So highly isolated. Yeah. Um, this was like a, we're just going to send you off and maybe well, I mean, it'll fix you. this is just really complex trauma too, right? Like it's just stacking all yeah, it's one layered. another. Yeah. It's layered trauma. Clearly, and it's, clearly not getting the help. It's not needed. even like, you know, any one of these things would have been Traumatic. done tremendous damage yeah. to this psychological like aspects of, of a child. But, you know, all of it together with no break in between, no yeah. help in between, nothing. Like, it was just constant. So this is, like, 
he he hits his breaking point right so this is uh this is when he really like makes a turn for the worse yeah and that is saying a lot considering everything we've talked about so far right so he um he gets in trouble with his grandparents because he's how old is he he's 15 okay He's apparently shooting animals needlessly. Like, they live on a ranch, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you have to kill animals when you live on a ranch for various reasons. But he's just, like, killing them to kill them. Like, like purpose, 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 purposelessly? (laughs) Purple, purposelessly. Purposely. Purple. Purple. I don't know Without why. cause. Without cause. Needlessly. I want to say that word. Purposelessly. I don't know if that's a word. Well, you get it. You get the point. <laughs> that's the thing. It doesn't have to be a word if it conveys information. Okay. Anyway. So now that now that I made it through that. <sighs> this guy, he stresses me out. This one's this one's so bad. Okay, so he's killing animals. Yeah, so they took his rifle away. Yeah. And um, did you mean to say purposelessly? (laughs) (laughs) They took his rifle away. And uh, his his grandparents argued a lot, too. Sure. This is just a family trait that they just hate each other. Everyone hates each other. So they get into a big argument. Mm -hmm. And he gets frustrated. So he runs and grabs his rifle. Oh, no. And he starts to leave. And his grandmother says... um, Oh, so you're just going to go shoot some birds again? Or you better not be shooting birds again or something to that extent. He shot her in the head. (gasps) With the rifle. Um, Grandpa had left to go, like, like they argued and and he left. So there was the initial shot in the, the head, which was, like, directly in her face. And then two shots in the back afterwards. And then there's some reports, I don't know like how confirmed these are, of post-mortem stab wounds as well. Um, so, Grandma's dead. So he waits until um, Grandpa gets home. Mm-hmm. He like went to get groceries or something. Like He was trying to cool off after that fight. And he waited until he got out of the car and shot his grandma. Oh grandpa, immediately. So, killed both of his grandparents. Um, At 15? Yes. And he he said that he didn't know what to do at this point, so he called his mother and said, hey, I just killed uh, Grandma Grandpa. Don't know what to do. She said, just stay there, and I'll call the police. So she called the police. The police show up. Um, he, he said that he killed his grandfather because... He, like, he didn't have a reason to kill his grandfather other than he didn't want him to find his dead wife. Like, he didn't want him to know that his wife had died. So he killed his grandpa before he could, like, go into the house and and see him. He said that um, he killed his grandmother because he just wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone. This is a 15-year-old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. So, so they, he's already got like <clears throat> multiple experiences killing living beings by the time he's fifteen, and then kills his grandparents. Yeah, I mean, this his first reported 
you know, like animal murder was at 10 and they said that he had, he like murdered insects before that. Right. Like there was a very clear progression, mm-hmm. like very clear. And I think going to the ranch almost made that worse. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. like animals are in abundance. Right. Um, it's not uncommon to like fire a gun to like use a gun and like it's not uncommon to kill animals for purpose but like he was doing it just for recreation at that point and not like hunting like even hunting you know just for the you use he was doing it just for the sole purpose of killing things so this is when um you know, obviously he's a juvenile, mm-hmm. so a lot of like psychi- psychiatric evaluations and things like that. He was deemed um, his crimes were deemed. Uh, what's the word that they used? Uh, uncomprehensible or incomprehensible? I can't find it, but either whichever of those is actually a word is the one that they um, they used. Incomprehensible yeah. for a fifteen-year-old. He was then diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Okay. Um, and sent to Atascadero State Hospital. It's in California. Okay. So it's a maximum security psychiatric hospital. Okay. Um, so he was in, I, I guess they're technically called inmates there, but inmate or patient, whatever. Um, they immediately, like, I, I say immediately. After he had been there for some amount of time, it wasn't clear how much time, but they disagreed with the diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. Right. And they said, quote, he showed no flights, flight of ideas, no interference with thought, no expression of delusions or hallucinations, and no evidence of bizarre thinking. So perfectly sound mind, essentially, is what they're saying. The guy's a psychopath, right. This is when they... um, uh, upon intake, that's when he uh, showed an IQ of 136. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, sometime later, took another IQ test and showed 145. So highly intelligent. Um, they they basically said, this dude's fine. He doesn't have paranoid schizophrenia. They did diagnose him with uh, personality trait disturbance, mm-hmm. passive aggressive type. I don't know what that means. I don't either. But it's a much, much lesser, like, uh, diagnosis. It's a, I don't much think it less... carries the weight. Yes. Yeah, that, like, paranoid schizophrenia does. Well, and it doesn't necessarily excuse his behavior like paranoid schizophrenia would either. Yeah, so this... Right, like, it doesn't... Um, I don't want to say excuse. Explain his behavior. Yes. That's a better way to yeah. put it. So, um... That was really interesting, and this comes into play later as well, and this is part of where, like, he gets glorified, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, no, this dude's fine, and he's got an IQ of 145. Like, Like, no, he's not fine. He he basically comes out of there, like... Killing people. Yeah. Right. And so while he was there, he became a member of the JCs, which I I don't know what that means in this context, but it's like a group. Um, Okay. He developed tests and scales... um, on the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. MMPI, yeah. Yeah, I figured you would know what that was. <laughs> um, specifically, he created the Overt Hostility Scale. Interesting. During his work with a psychiatrist at Atascadero. So he, like, worked with psychologists and psychiatrists to, like, develop tests and scales for, like... I'm assuming he, like, it, maybe it was more of a participation role mm-hmm. of, like 
helping with research, but like he legitimately contributed to psychological research, like intentionally contributed. He wasn't used for it. Like he contributed. That's weird to me. Yeah. So he was there until his 21st birthday. I don't know why his 21st birthday, um, but yeah, uh, about six years, um, give or take a little bit. He was released immediately into the care of his mother. They were like, look, this dude doesn't have any, like, schizophrenia or personality disorders. Just, like, passive-aggressive personality trait disorder. Um, And also his horribly abusive mother. Yeah, he can just live with her. That's fine. How long until he killed her? So. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing, is, like... You can tell along... Uh, this isn't spoiling much. We know that he killed all women. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that he's progressing towards that goal. Right. Right? And, and you know... There's an evolution, yes. right? This is a spoiler. He did murder his mom. Yeah. Um, but... I knew that was coming. I feel like that was coming. Right. Yeah. So you can tell that, like, that's what he's working up to. And, and later he describes it as such. Like, it was just this urge that he had that was never satiated until, until. he killed his mur- his mother. So, um his his mother worked at University of California in Santa Cruz. Now, this is important because he's the co-ed killer. So, this is like the connection, okay. right? To his mother is his mother was constantly around co-eds. I don't know what yeah. she did at the University of California, but she worked at the University mm-hmm. of California. So, he he constantly saw her, and she associated with uh, co-eds. Um, so, he, on November of uh, or in November of 1972, his juvenile records were completely expunged. Stop. Because a psychiatrist evaluated him and said, and this is a longer quote: um, "If I were to see this patient without having any history available or getting any history from him, I would think we were dealing with a very well-adjusted young man who had initiative, intelligence, and who was free of any psychiatric illness. It is my opinion that he has made a very excellent response to the years of treatment and rehabilitation, and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him to be of any danger to himself or to any member of society. What year was this? Uh, 1972. Wow. And... Since it may allow him more freedom as an adult to develop his potential, I would consider it reasonable to have permanent expunction of his juvenile records. I I would hope that um I would hope that people like Ed at twenty one at this point in his life can be rehabilitated. Right. And can, you know, um can be healed from that that kind of trauma and become a productive member of society and i'm almost certain that there are people that that you know commit murders as juveniles and then you know go through therapy and mm-hmm. and deal with psychiatrists and psychologists and and grow and become a productive member of society and aren't a danger to themselves or others but within a year he had killed eight women like, from that interview, from that quote, within a year from that time, he had killed eight women. So, there's obviously, like, in hindsight, it's easy to say, like, well, that dude was wrong. Right. But 
you also have to take into account that Ed Kemper had an IQ of 145. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and the other thing we have to account for, right, is like psychologists and psychiatrists are human. And it's it's kind of like opinionated, too. Well, and we want to believe, you know, that people can be rehabilitated. We want to see the best in humanity as people, right? Like, Yes. You don't want to believe somebody's going to be a serial killer. <clears throat> and one thing about serial killers and psychopaths oftentimes is that they're incredibly charismatic. Yeah. And convincing. And, and we'll see multiple... Um, instances of manipulation mm-hmm. uh like intentional manipulation oh, yeah. from ed kimber and it actually hurts him in his like um applies for uh what's it called when you get out early parole parole mm-hmm. yeah his parole application sorry that word just escaped me so he's 21 gets this basically a fresh start right right from such an insane life um so he's like i want to be a cop he was rejected immediately. Didn't get to test, didn't get to do anything. Yeah. Strictly because of his height. He was six foot nine. So they were like, you can't be a cop. You're too tall. I don't understand <laughs> okay. that. I guess Crown Vicks couldn't hold six foot nine people because that's all they used yeah. in the 70s. I don't know. Um, but it apparently didn't affect him too much because he just became friends with cops. Mm-hmm. So he hung out at this place called the Jury Room, which was a bar where the cops would hang out. Really funny name for a bar that, like, cops would go to, but, like, also really niche bar. Like, what if the cops find a new bar that they like? I don't know. Anyway, so this at this point, he moves out of his mom's house, mm-hmm. which should be really good for him, right? He moves in with a friend. Uh, he moves to Alameda, California, um, but his mother, like... He's, he's trying to escape her, and he says in interviews that, like, he was trying to escape her, but she wouldn't stop calling him and just shows up at their apartment uninvited, like, on a Jesus regular Christ. basis. okay. This is what's weird. It's like, okay, do you hate him, or do you, like... Do you want your talents in him? Yeah, like, what are yeah. you trying... You want to keep him around just for the sake of abusing. Of abuse, like, yeah. I don't understand this. It's, it's a control thing, I'm sure. Yeah, it... Around the same time, like, I, it was early 1973, he apparently became engaged um, to a student that he met. Her, um, the engagement was broken off right after he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is not released to the public. And oh. that's fantastic. Her yeah. parents requested that her name not be released. I'm so and glad they has, protected her in that yeah, way. You might be able to find it. I didn't go looking because, like, Respect it's amazing that they kept it right. out of, like, the first few articles, mm-hmm. you know, that, and, and, you know, that's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Cause somebody knows. And so I'm sure people have like put it out on the internet cause people yeah. are hateful. So, um, it, it's kind of funny how like certain things in life when you're like getting to the point of being a serial killer can like make or break your path. Right. Like, um, what happened was he got into a motorcycle accident. Okay. He wasn't at fault. A car hit him. And so he sued this person. And this is like, okay, it's an unfortunate event. He was injured pretty badly. Um, he received a settlement of $15,000, which is $90,000 today. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. That's that's like, to a lot of people, that's life-changing. Right. Right. And what he did with it was immediately bought a car. So he had a motorcycle, 
which you can't really, you know, carry bodies around in. He bought a car and packed it up with bags, knives, blankets, handcuffs. Like, he just started carrying this stuff around. And then it became his hobby to pick up hitchhikers. So he would travel all around California um, and specifically around University of California at Santa Cruz and pick up women hitchhikers. And for a long time, he did nothing. Like, he just picked them up and took them where they were going. That's it. Um, And this is in the 70s, right? The early 70s. Hitchhiking was, like, very common. I, I don't know when, like, it stopped becoming a thing. But, like, I don't think anyone really hitchhikes anymore unless they, like, desperately need to. Right. Um, But it's like a, it was a thing and it was normal. Um, So he picked up around 150 women by his estimates. And that's when he said he started feeling, like, homicidal and sexual urges towards, like, these women. And he made it a point to say that, like, he wasn't impotent. He said he wasn't physically impotent, but he was emotionally impotent. I don't know what that means. But yeah, that's that's what he said. Okay. So <laughs> I'm laughing at my notes because I didn't want to write these things down. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> between May 1972 and April 1973, he killed eight women. And I put, he would take their bodies home, decapitate them, and do bad things to their <laughs> corpses. <laughs> he, he was a necrophile, so... Fill in the blanks. He would um, dismember them, decapitate them. Uh, Do you have the women's names by chances? I do. Okay. So we can can go through that uh, at some point. So he murdered five college students, one high school student, his mother, and his mother's best friend. His mother's best friend was, uh, like, accidental, I guess, like, okay. like, it wasn't intentional. Like, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, no. Okay. Um, the the first two women that he murdered, he was actually pulled over with, um, well, not not first two women because of his grandmother, but, like, mm-hmm. two two of the women that he right. murdered, he was pulled over because he had a taillight out. Their bodies were in, like, their corpses were in his trunk. Oh, my God. And he talked to the cop, you know, whatever. He was buddy-buddy with them. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was charismatic. So, um, I'll go, like, we'll mention the names of, of all of the women probably, like, towards the end, but, um, I'll go in-depth into the murder of his mother because it was the, it was his second-to-last murder. Okay. His mother's friend being the last, the last. and that was because of, she showed up, basically. Okay. Um, so this is April of 1973. This is right at the end of his killing streak. God, it happened so fast. Yeah, within a year. Like, all of his murders, minus his grandparents, happened within a year. Um, so his mother returned from a party and woke him up when she got home. And so then... So when did he when did he move back in with his mom? I thought it was in an apartment. Okay. And that wasn't very clear. It just said, like, yeah, he was at his house. So she woke him up. Um, and then she went to bed. She was reading a book. And okay. um, he walked in. He was like pissed at her for waking him up and she said i suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk in like a you know condescending kind con- of, very condescending yeah. way you're inconveniencing me and he said he looked at her and said nope good night and he turned around and went back to bed 
He waited for her to fall asleep and then bludgeoned her with a hammer and then cut her throat with a pin knife, which I don't know what a pin knife is, but a knife. Um, he severed her head. He did the same things to her as he did to the other woman. I wrote he did bad stuff to her head. Um, oh, God. Yes, specifically the head. Um, and then this is like, I didn't want to put this in, but I feel like it's important to the story because I don't want to glorify this guy. He hung her head up and used it as a dartboard. Oh, my God. For, like, hours. And then, and and this is, like, the fact that he went this far with his own mother shows that, like, she was the true target yeah, of well, his aggression. Okay, so how did he kill the other woman? Um, various methods. Strangulation, stabbing, um, bludgeoning. Like, okay, I, okay. I, don't remember if he used uh, guns. I don't think so. Okay. Because uh, it was mostly curious, in a car. Like if, he, if he did bludgeon his mother, like, did he bludgeon other women as well? or? Yeah, he, he definitely did. Okay. Um, he also removed her tongue and larynx, which is like your vocal cords right. and everything, and put them into the garbage disposal. Um, the garbage disposal was unable. This is like a, him talking about this was unable to um, deal with the vocal cords. And he said, that's about right, because, like, she was, she talked a lot and yelled at him his whole life. So he was, he was literally trying to, like, destroy the the source of his, his trauma, right? Oh, my God. So he, he was done with all that. He cleaned up. He put her corpse into a closet in the house and put a note up on the door and said um, approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday, no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it, not sloppy and incomplete, gents, just a lack of time. I got things to do. So then he went to the bar with uh, his cop friends, hung out with his cop friends for a while, my god they they drank they chatted whatever um and then he went back to the house and his mother's friend was there because they were supposed to watch movies and like have a game night or something so he strangled her um and then he believed that he was being hunted by the police at this point so he drove nonstop from california to pueblo colorado Thinking he was being chased. Like, he thought he was the target of, like, a manhunt. So he um, he gets there and doesn't hear anything on the news. Hears nothing about his mother's murder, like, any of that. So he found a phone booth and he called the police and confessed to the murders of just his mother and uh, his mother's friend. The police said, please don't make prank calls and hung up on him. They were just like, yeah, whatever. Dude. Bye. Um, because he gave them details. He was like, yeah, he used her head as a dartboard, blah, blah, blah. Like, cut out her tongue and put it in the garbage disposal. So. Um, God, this was so dark. <laughs> so then he called one of the police officers that he knew personally at the bar and was like, look, I just tried to confess to the police and they didn't take me seriously. 
Um, so they immediately arrested him. He waited, went, you know, perfectly, like... I wonder what changed. Like, for him to run to Colorado. I don't know. Um, here's a quote in here, if I can find it, about, like, the way he felt after. He just felt like he was done. Like, that was it. He didn't have any, like... I think the rest of the murders, like, the beginning murders were purely... Um, like, preparation for... They, well, they were... What do they say in criminal minds? Like, <laughs> they were a surrogate for his right. mother, right? Yeah. Like, they were essentially, like, he couldn't... He felt like he couldn't murder his mother, yeah. so... Um, you know, his his trial was pretty cut and dry because he had such a detailed confession, but he was found guilty on eight counts of murder. Um, he tried to plead insanity, like not guilty by way of insanity, and also attempted suicide twice while he was in custody um, before he was found guilty. So his, his trial took like from May to November of um, 1973. So it was like a while. Yeah. And then when he was found guilty, he specifically requested the death penalty and requested death by torture. But he, this was in California. So right. it was, they had suspended the death penalty at this point. And I think it stayed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously California doesn't even have the death penalty now, but it was like, they had just done it like yeah. in the seventies. They had just, I don't remember what year, but it was recent at this time. So he was requesting that they basically make an exception for him. Like. He wanted the death penalty. Um, he was imprisoned with a guy named Herbert Mullen, which was another serial killer mm-hmm. that we should probably talk about at some point. And also Charles Manson. Good. Yeah, why not? Just Great. put all these Throw guys together. All. This part, um, I think you might find it interesting. So Mullen um, was like a really short guy, really like small and obviously... Uh, Kemper was massive. Right. Um, but Mullen liked to sing and Kemper didn't like it. And so he would throw water on him. Kemper would throw water on him and like physically intimidate him and then started giving him peanuts when he did things he liked. And it got to the point where Muller would ask him for permission to do things like singing or going to the bathroom and he would give him peanuts. as And um, Kemper said that it was behavior modification treatment that he had learned how to do while he was uh, in the facility as a teenager. Um, He took on narrating books. He has over 5,000 hours of audio books that he has narrated. Glad I haven't found any of those. He had to stop when he had a stroke in 2015, so he doesn't do that anymore. Oh, Um, is he still around? He is still alive today. He has been denied parole every single time. Of course. Uh, the, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, the real quick, I'll go into pop culture references. Like he was the inspiration for Buffalo Bill Mm -hmm. in Silence of the Lambs, who, um, that character also murdered his grandparents. Mm -hmm. It's like the start. Um, I don't know this one, but Dean Koontz, uh, said that he inspired the character Edgar, Ed, Edgler Vess in Intensity, which I haven't read that book. Um, and he was also mentioned in American Psycho, where Patrick Bateman quotes uh, Ed Kemper, uh, or, or quotes uh, Ed Gain, who is another serial killer, but the quote is actually Ed, Ed Kemper. Um, yeah, and then, you know, more recently and, and probably notably, he was a 
a huge part of the Netflix series Mindhunter. Yeah, I which, haven't seen Mindhunter. Oh my God, I've heard such a good, good show. About it, but. I watched side by side comparisons of Mindhunter and uh, Ed Kemper's interviews mm-hmm. from the seventies and eighties, and they were word for word. Wow! Like, like they took very little creative liberty, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because the character is very similar. Like, it's almost, like, it's believable that it's actually him, mm-hmm. like, physically. And then the way that he acts, the way that he speaks, his mannerisms, like, that, I, I don't know who the actor is, but it is phenomenal. And then the writers also worked in the characters that, you know, are just part of Mindhunter, like, not real people, so, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um worked their questions and conversations around this actual interview. Like Ed Kemper's done many, many interviews. He loves talking, you know, and he he talks about, and it's, it's crazy because he talks about how he, he learned from this show, like a cop show. Like he watched, um, you know, the equivalent of like criminal minds Mm -hmm. and learned how not to get caught. He's like, yeah, you have to not act too interested, not talk about it too much. Don't initiate the conversation about a murder. Like, he learned all of these tricks, essentially, yeah. to to be able to interact with police on a daily basis. Even, like, hours after murdering two women, like, he, he could just, or, or after murdering his mother, he could just hang out with cops. And he attributes that to why he didn't get caught, um when he got pulled over mm-hmm. so like yeah the beginning of the story is like okay this dude is just had a rough life and was horribly abused and had an awful mother but then also like at a certain point is a murderer right a serial killer and a rapist and and is completely culpable for his actions so who are the eight women okay so um i will go down the list there's mary ann pesci Mm-hmm. I think is how you say that, P-E-S-C-E, and Anita Luchessa. And they were um, two 18-year-olds hitchhiking uh, from Fresno State University. Uh, they were trying to get to Stanford University. so Or that was the pretense that uh, that he gave them, was like he would take them to Stanford University. So he drove around with them for an hour before taking them to a secluded area. So they were trapped in his car mm-hmm. um, and handcuffed. Pesci and locked uh, Luchessa in the trunk and then uh, stabbed and strangled them both. And that was uh, when he was driving home was when he got pulled over. Um, And they were dismembered and put into plastic bags and basically spread around. Um, Yeah. Awful. That was Um, the first two? Yes. Okay. And then, uh, let me see, that was uh, May of 1972. So then in uh, September of 1972, so there was like a really long uh, period of time, he picked up a 15-year-old. So this is the high school student. Um, Her name was Aiko Ku. Uh, She was hitchhiking after missing a bus uh, coming home from dance class. So he pulled a gun on her. He locked himself out of his car on accident um, with the gun in the car. And she let him back in the car. Like, I, whatever he said or did, like, she let him back in the car. Um, and he choked her until uh, she was unconscious and then raped and killed her. So, similar thing. Uh, 
he said that he admired his catch like a fisherman when uh, he opened the trunk. And they put out like hundreds of flyers like her, her mother did. Uh, oh. Never received any response and still doesn't know her daughter's location or status. I don't know if she's if I don't understand alive, what but... they have to gain. Like what he has to gain from that. I don't know. So then, uh, just a few months later, January of 1973, um, he, Kimber had moved back into, uh, with his mother at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was driving around Cabrillo College, I think is how you say that, uh, and picked up an 18-year-old student, uh, Cynthia and Cindy Shaw, uh, drove her to a wooded area and shot her with a twenty two. Um, I'm not going to go too much into the details, but his mother was home when, uh, he brought her body home. Uh, yeah, that one, that one's really bad. He kept her, uh, severed head for several days, um, and then buried it in his mother's garden facing towards his mother's bedroom. Uh, he stated later that he did this because he, his mother always wanted people to look up to her. So a lot of this like centers around his mother. His yeah. Um, Rosalind Thorpe and Allison Liu uh, in February of 1973. So literally a month later uh, or less than a month later, he got into an argument with his mom and left looking for victims. Uh, so this was almost always like related to um, like an argument with his mother right. or, or like some interaction with his mother. So Rosalind Heather Thorpe was 23 years old and uh, Alice Helen Allison Liu was um, 20 at the time and they both lived on uh, US, UCSC campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thorpe entered the car first and then reassured Liu that it was safe to enter. They were, um, they were hitchhiking and he shot them both. Oh, so he did use a gun? Yes. He shot the last one as well. The one before these two. Uh, same thing, like decapitation, uh, kept their bodies. Uh, he removed the bullet in every uh, shooting fatality that he did um, so that the cops wouldn't be able to trace, trace it back it to back his gun to or anything. Like he was, he knew all of these things because he like studied, like he watched these, this like entertainment television. Right. But studied like how the cops, like, he, he said that he didn't just study the thing that they did, but the reasoning behind it so right. that he could use that to come up with more things to protect himself in this. So like, this is where it got really hard for him to have any kind of criminally insane, you know, defense because, because he was so, yeah, it, it was meticulous. Yeah. He, he wow. knew exactly, he knew that what he was doing was bad and that was like the, the thing. And then I already talked about his mother and, uh, uh his mother is, Clarnell Kemper uh, Strandberg. She'd remarried at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sally Hallett was her friend that, I mean, she just happened to come over. Like, they were supposed to have a movie night or something. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, wow. he, this is after uh, the murder. This is the quote I was telling you about after he murdered his mother. He said, quote, the original purpose was gone it wasn't serving any physical or real emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. So he was 
it was a mission, right? Yeah. And he was done at that point uh, after he murdered his mother. Like, that's the thing. This That's what this was all about. Um, so, yeah. <sighs> that's Ed Kemper. Well, that's awful. I and I, I send my deepest condolences to the families who lost women senselessly. Yeah. To such a piece of shit, man. Yeah, I... Uh, who's still... He's still alive. And, like, that's and the thing. And recording audio. Like, who pays him? It's disgusting. That's it's the disgusting. thing, too, is, like, not only that, but he... And and I, I totally understand, like, prisoners are, are people, too. And, like, everyone's, everyone's a person. And, like, you have some, like, innate human rights. Um, but, like, they, there's this whole section about, like, oh, he makes artisan... Uh, ceramic cups and things like that so it's just there he's got like a following and that bothers me i hate it so much yeah there's like t-shirts that you can buy please don't buy them because uh that's like that's not what he should be remembered for right like no he should be studied to to better understand uh, serial, killers. serial killers and like like how he worked and and how he got away with it for but so the long glorification of these people who do horrible horrible things yeah because you're forgetting about like the 15 year old mm-hmm. that he murdered right His life the was 20 cut short year for nothing yeah like i'm for his pleasure oh yeah like i'm i'm like getting to my late 20s and like seeing 30 and like i can't imagine my life ending at 15 Mm-mm. or 20 or 23 like or now, I yeah. Guess just even now, I feel like I could so be. You have so much life to live. So yeah. much to do. Yeah, I think about like the fifty-something-year-old woman that he murdered. His mother's friend. I don't. I don't know her exact Does age, she but family? she was in her fifties. She, oh. she still had so much life to live, right? Like his mother was fifty-two. Uh, yeah, his mother's best friend was fifty-nine years old. Sarah Taylor Sally Hallett. Um, yeah, that it was too. It was needless for her, and like. It's it's really hard to say like how much uh, how much responsibility is absolved because of his uh, trauma and abuse and you know where that line lies like still a horrific person and did horrific things yeah. and was found to be of sound mind multiple times God. so there's just no good in this no. one is there no. what were we talking about before this. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. We should talk about. We, let's. Our next one is Susan Sarandon. <laughs> Tune in next week for Susan Sarandon and not a single murder. She has never murdered anyone. All that we know of. D- don't get us sued. <laughs> Susan Sarandon has never murdered anyone, and she's a pleasant person, and she has aged like fine wine. Not milk. Not milk. You redact that statement. That statement never happened. Yeah. Strike it from the record. <laughs> I am a Susan Sarandon fan. Good for you. So, Stepmom was a good movie. No, my God. Rocky Horror Picture Show, fantastic movie. movie. Takes you for a ride. Tim Curry is excellent in that movie. Yeah, he's excellent. Have you ever seen uh, It? No. Yeah, so he was Pennywise in It. I can see that. Oh. He's terrifying. The episode of Criminal Minds he's in is very unsettling. I forgot. It's like he a was couple a, of episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in Criminal Minds. He's mm-hmm. great in that. Tim Curry's fantastic. Yeah. We see him. Is he still around? Yes. He had a, um, he's wheelchair bound. Yes. Now. He had he a had severe stroke. stroke. Yeah. 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 
Hmm. Which is really unfortunate. But he has a just an amazing acting career. That's Leia's foot. Sorry. She's dreaming, She's dreaming. And, and running on hardwood floor. <laughs> well, yeah, so Dylan, thank you for delving into um, a heavier topic. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm done. It's it's tough. The turpins were really tough for me. Yeah, it, um, there's evil in the world, there's and a you lot don't want to you don't want to know about it. I would it. much rather talk about the quartz deposits in Loch Ness and how they build energy to manifest the Loch Ness. Monster. I think that. I think that raises a good point of our idea with this podcast was to to balance both. Yeah. These things are important to talk about and they're interesting and we got to recognize that like they are interesting and important uh but like I can't do that every week. Oh, absolutely. And not. props to the podcasts that are specifically yeah. like serial killers and like the writers for Mindhunter because they did thorough research highly recommend that show yeah it can't be me so like maybe sasquatch next week or (laughs) skinwalkers we talk about the pyramids chupacabras yeah i don't know like something easy yeah something lighter than this no we already got next week susan's random yeah (laughs) with a bonus episode of tim curry just us standing Susan's rated and Tim Curry that's, for an hour. We are show. an hour in, and that's the first like laugh. I think that's mm. a, it's just been tense. Our, Our other laughs hurt. have just been of discomfort. <laughs> yeah, I and I just want to say it's worse than what I wrote down because oh, yeah. there are things no, I that I you. I wouldn't write down. I'm I'm above some of those things <laughs> and putting. Notes. I hope you're above all of those. I'm above writing those things. Oh, I see, I see. I'm a, I, I'm not, ugh. And, yeah, the fact that he's still alive, and there's, like, so many lives ended. Also, happy belated uh, International Women's Day. International Women's Day. Go women. Go women. Women are the best. Screw the patriarchy. Yeah. Burn it down. Women are much less likely to be serial killers. Yes. There are also... Um, there are women serial killers. Though. There are, but they're much less likely. Yes. I wonder why that is. I'm mm. sure we don't know. Well, I'm sure we have ideas. Yeah. My my hypothesis would be that... Anger. Women aren't typically as, as violent as men are. They don't have as many violent tendencies. Anger. Men anger. <laughs> it's because we hunt. We hunt for meat as cavemen. I love that Adrian Bliss. Let's end this on a light note. That Adrian Bliss TikTok. <laughs> if you guys don't follow Adrian Bliss on TikTok, you absolutely should. Excellent content. Um, but he has a TikTok where he's a caveman and he's hunting down a mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna link it in the sources. <laughs> and the mammoth turns around and is like, "What? Like, why are you chasing why, me? Can you stop chasing me?" He's like, like, "Oh, I was gonna." kill you for lunch. lunch he's like do you do you think i don't have plans <laughs> he's like we've got a big lunch going on he's like oh you think i don't have plans he's, he's like, like no, no, go no ahead, I'm, kill d- me. I'm done with this whole thing kill That's me fine. kill me he's like wait no kill me i'm done and then he's back in the cave and somebody's like this mammoth is delicious and he's like you're not having it he's like no, no. <laughs> <I'm all right. laughs> yeah i love i, I love adrian bliss's content that was rough. That was tough. I don't want to... Mm. Let's go, like, 
Let's go watch Love is Blind. No, and... let's go watch Bluey. Yeah. <laughs> our, <laughs> our kid's asleep, <laughs> but we need to watch Bluey <laughs> and browse r slash iBleach on Reddit. Yeah, brain bleach. Look at some puppies. I bet I have nightmares. Go listen to a habit. First of all, don't listen to this at night. No. Don't listen to this if you're hitchhiking. And don't listen to this if you grew up in 1973. Yeah. So mm. go listen to a happy podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I think they know what they're getting into by clicking on this podcast. But I hope so. We need a we warning in the title, too. Tr- yeah, I'll, I'll put trigger, like, trigger warnings in the description. Skip it. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> All right, well, that was another episode of Cryptic and Colloquial, a cacophony of crimes, cults, and conspiracies. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another week. I'm Kristen. And I'm Dylan. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Uh, I just feel yucky about that one. That one is so yucky. Mm-hmm.